Hear ye, hear ye. Oh, we've been transported. Oh. Is there a proclamation from the queen? Perhaps. Queen Morgan Le Fay? Your majesty. Your majesty. Welcome to Excalibur. Excalibur makes my head hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, that's valid. That's that's fair. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. Alrighty, alrighty. Now, so I'll say this. One, one of the biggest hurdles with the X-Men, with getting into the X-Men, mm-hmm. is the deep backlog of stories that have happened. Right? Yes. When things get referenced, when characters get mentioned, when events happened, and... You can't like catch everybody up on that. So I feel like that was one of the biggest hurdles with House of X and Powers of Ten. Yep. That translates to Excalibur doing all of that with Excalibur's backlog of stories. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yep. There was a lot of moments of just not like reading it and feeling like I didn't know how to connect it to anything and making assumptions like i made a lot of assumptions about things that now that we've gone back and reread or gone over the original excalibur i'm like that was incorrect and also as the issue is going on i was like incorrect (laughs) incorrect yeah but uh let's talk about this cover yeah yeah this cover um it is a Interesting, an interesting assortment of humans. Mutants. Mutants. Not humans. People. People. Folks. Which breed? I don't know. Gambit, Jubilee, Apocalypse, Rogue, and then I, what I now know is Betsy Captain Braddock, Britain, Captain Betsy. And then I don't remember who this other dude is. He is not in the issue at all. Okay, well, that's good. That's why I don't remember him. But that's Richter. And he will be in this series. Okay. All right. What yeah, do you, okay. What do you think about this cover? I mean, it's it, it is an interesting interesting is a a word to say for it. It's very chill. Yeah. It's very chill vibes, you know. Like Betsy's holding that sword up, and it's you know magical looking. But I feel like they got like runway attitude. Yeah, they especially Rogue. Do. Well, Rogue, you know, that's just Rogue. That's just her being Rogue. Rogue Rogan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's nothing really it's just, extraordinary about this cover to me. I mean, it's beautiful to look at. Well, so but. to me, it, it's just all sorts of 90s, but in very strange ways. So, yeah, you got Rogue, Gambit, and Jubilee. Okay, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. You know, love those guys. You think about adjectiveless X-Men. You think about the 90s X-Men. They're big in it, right? Uh-huh. Psylocke, kind of. No, please. Not no. really, but as Captain Britain. <sighs> yes, we. I, you know, should probably do a retcon Wranglers episode just on Psylocke. Don't worry, I have a uh, many questions. Yeah, great, great. You're supposed <laughs> to send them to me beforehand. Oh yeah, I was. Richter, who is you know of the '90s, but on a different team. All those other guys are from the X-Men proper. Richter was on X Force and Apocalypse, who is really a curveball, and especially Apocalypse in that outfit. That we've never seen him in before. Ah, well. His sorcerer garb that will... Yeah, that was like, that's number number two on my list of notes. It says, Apocalypse is a sorcerer? Question mark? News to me. News to me. 
All right, let's dive in. A page turn noise. Apocalypse introduced himself to his fellow sorcerers. Now, we could talk a lot about Apocalypse, and we will as we go. He has never been, to my knowledge, a magical character. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he, and, and magical, as you take that, could have a variety of meanings because he, he does have celestial technology. He is a really old character. He's been around for a while. So this idea of, you know, what is just magic? I mean, he has the ability to turn other characters into his horsemen, but I feel like that's different than being a sorcerer. Sure. I like this line and a couple of these lines where they start with on our land. Mm-hmm. Talking about what Krakoa as a mutant nation allows Apocalypse to be able to do. So he's talking about the fact that, you know, they've never had this opportunity to study magic, to to do the things that y'all humans took for granted once you figured out all these other things that you, you weren't really turning to or seeking answers for. They never had that opportunity because they've been on the run, hunted, persecuted, just fighting mm-hmm. for survival. But now that they've got a spot they can dive into these other things, these other things that were never a part of their culture. Interesting. And I'd say something that very subtly about the gradual change of Apocalypse's character, uh, a change that we're going to see over time as this title continues. Ooh, intrigue. And then we're in the other world. And, you know, for a little while reading this, I was like, what the heck is the other world? Where are we? What's going on? I don't understand. How are we back in time? But we're not back in time. Mm-hmm. These people just live like we are back in time. But I've come to understand that it's basically like an alternate dimension. Basically, situation. I mean, that, that's a good way to think about it, right? So Otherworld is one of those things that I was talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So it's deep in the mythology of Excalibur. It's not really given any context here other than you're in it, right? The The phrase that... The Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast used a lot when describing the original run of Excalibur in media res, right? Mm-hmm. We are said in, that the other day. We are in media res in the full... What does that mean? Like in the story, like you're just in, in the story. Kind of like a, a good improv scene. You start in the middle, right? You, mm-hmm. you're, not, oh, okay, okay. you're not introducing all the elements. You're just in it. And so we're just in this story and we get these signifiers of a place. And if you know about Excalibur historically... You know that Camelot has been taken from our Earth 616 and moved to Otherworld by Merlin, predicting its downfall, predicting its fall. Not that I want to get like too deep into Game of Thrones references again, but like how can you not when you look and then on this first page, I mean, this is water, but all I thought of was that like hole in the sky of the veil with (laughs) that lady in her castle and the... They just drop people out that hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My lady. My, my lady. Lord, yeah. Your majesty, queen regent, all right. those things. Right. When we see we see Morgan, Le Fay, your ladyship. No, no, no. While the royal family is indisposed, you will call me queen regent or your majesty. Queen Morgan Le Fay. Yes, your majesty. Yeah, she means business. So, King Arthur. Mm-hmm. This is his half-sister, Morgan. Okay. Morgan Le Fay. And we don't know what's happened, or at least I don't know. We may have in another story or thread. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happened to 
the king and queen. Uh, where she, they at? Yeah, you I don't, don't know. I don't know where what where they're at. But she's talking about this this white witch. Yes, I'm very intrigued by the white witch. However, when I saw white Emma Frost, Emma Frost, Opaluna Saturnine. That's the one. When I saw her in the other one, I was like, she's dressed in all white. Is she the white witch? Potentially. Ooh, connections. These things in my scrying pool, tainting the waters of blessed Avalon. Dutta looks like a Krakoan gate to me. Mmm, yes. And also, so it's like, that's interesting because if they're in an alternate dimension or, or something like that, alternate universe situation... But they were pulled from 616 from the Earth. How is it that a Krakoan gate can reach them? That is interesting. That kind of opens up more of this idea of where can Krakoan gates travel. Because mm-hmm. we know they can travel to space, but technically space is still, still in the, the same, dimension right? or the so, universe. So could there be other gates that lead other places? Interesting. And maybe, you know, I, I just keep an eye on Apocalypse. Oh, Apocalypse. She's mad about this this gate up in her business, though. She's basically drowning this man, being like, figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. She throws his face into the water, and he's just, you know, solve this problem. Why is this happening? What is this weed that pollutes the kingdom of Camelot? Yikes. And our intro page, we actually, in the text... We get a little bit of a confirmation of that that Apocalypse stanza that I was talking to, you know, Apocalypse doing magic poetry. (laughs) With unprecedented Krakoan peace comes the chance for prosperity, for growth, for magic. War raging in the other world, a threat that demands the attention of Captain Britain and Excalibur. Now, we we could get into the weeds on a lot of things in this book. Captain Britain. Yes. Is the protector of our reality. Earth 616. Okay. Oh, yes. We talked about this in other Excalibur. I was like, like Doctor Strange. Kind of, yes. Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme is a a protector of like all realities. Right. Captain Britain is, this Captain Britain is the protector of Earth 616 or the 616 reality. Mm -hmm. There's a different Captain Britain on each. On each Earth. Yeah. Got it. Okay, get Excalibur. in creative team. Yeah, and and also just the title, verse one, the accolade of Betsy Braddock. Like that's a different kind of title that we haven't seen otherwise. Mm. It's like, um, oh my goodness, what is it called? Like the Odyssey. It's like an epic mm. song or poem or what is it? It's just called an epic? An epic, yeah. Written by Tini Howard, art by Marcus Toe, color artist Eric Arciniega, letterer VCs Corey Petit, design Tom Muller, and our editorial team, Jonathan Hickman as the head of X, Annalise Bisa, Jordan D. White, C.B. Zabolski, Excalibur. So below as above in the tiny type. Greater secrets exist, it also says in the tiny type. Ooh. Ooh. All right, so now we're at this house, and here's where... All my assumptions were incorrect. Braddock Academy, Malden, England. Because I'm looking at these people and I'm seeing this family and I'm seeing Betsy pack up her stuff and she's getting ready to go to Krakoa and she's talking about how, you know, this will be a good thing for her to go to Krakoa and all of this jazz. 
And I'm like, oh, she's a mutant and this is her regular family and they're not mutants or super powered at all. And then all of a sudden this girl's hair turns blue to match this dress. And I now know that that is Megan and Megan is her little fairy lady. Fairy mutant. And I now know that her bro Shevsky over here is Captain Britain. Yep. But I just thought he was a regular dude for a long time reading this comic. Or at least halfway through. <laughs> yes, before. at least halfway through. Yeah, so that's Brian Braddock. Especially because he, she's talking about like, oh, you could be my plus one on Krakoa, like making it seem like he needs her to get there. He does. So he's not a mutant. He is not a mutant. <laughs> so we meet Betsy, Brian, Megan, and Gloriana, who's not titled. Ah, oh, yes. Is that the baby? That is the baby who you don't really get too much of it here, but she is hyper intelligent. Oh, Good to know. And I, I did like the, the panel with Megan changing her hair to match the dress. Light seeds of their powers and, and reference points, but no real explanation of it. Mm. Right. But like this wasn't a section that kind of con- this wasn't one of the parts that confused me because it is light reference. And, you know, they're talking about. And it's not something that you need to know right. to continue in the story. It's just like it, it feels like what you were talking about that we're just in this story and this world already exists. Figure it out. So she's like, later. But they are talking about their brother and Jamie Braddock. How their brother is no longer with them. Yeah. So this this is in this book, in this title, we're expected to either know what all this means or expected to care enough about what's going on or what we don't know to go and find out. It's a lot to find out. And I feel like that makes it hard to push through or to look up if if we need to do and there's no kind of editor's notes or work cited or or something mm-hmm. like where where can I get this context where can I get who's Jamie you know even the light nod of I never thought I would see the Betsy I grew up with again yeah what does that crap mean how much do you want me to explain about Betsy's backstory because we'll get to it we'll get to it between between Excalibur and Fallen Angels the story of Betsy and Conan are are gonna happen, right? So I guess like explain it as it relates to each story, like what I need to know. So Betsy kind of took over or displaced the life of a woman named Conan. And it was initially it, it, it's basically what happens when you have several people writing one character's story over many years of time and recharacterizing some element of it where it was initially that she just took over this body. She was implanted in this body to be a weapon of the hand. Mm-hmm. And that's the ninja assassin version yes. that we all know from the 90s. That's okay. what most people would think of. The ninja assassin version of Psylocke? Just just leave it at the ninja assassin for right now. Okay. Because that's, yeah, Psylocke is a relative term. Ugh. Betsy was Psylocke before she became the ninja assassin. She still retained the code name Psylocke when she became the ninja assassin. But then later on, there was a story where Revlanche was introduced and this idea of Conan was introduced where it was more so that there was a person and that their consciousness had kind of split between these two bodies. And then there was so there's another character Mm -hmm. that has ill feelings towards, to put it light. Betsy for how they have been displaced over the last however many years. 
recently, Betsy came to inhabit her own body through a story. I think it was called uh, The Mystery of Madripoor, I believe is the title. So, And I think that that's just kind of Marvel trying to clear up a lot of that confusion because, you know, the, when you talk about what what's Betsy's first appearance? Well, you know, there's a handful of them. Yeah, I guess here's my question. Okay, let's call Betsy A and the other person B. Okay, so we have two bodies, mm-hmm. A and B. A and B are in their own bodies. A goes in, the soul or the identity of A goes into B's body. B was initially thought to be comatose or uninhabiting said body. Okay, what? where's Betsy's body during all of this so we don't know she had gone through the siege perilous which is a whole nother wormhole of explanation yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay I guess that's kind of where my confusion lies is the the body switching so know that you don't need to fully understand it right now but we will continue to talk about it okay so I think base, base no I know and I see that and I can't fully explain it to you now because I didn't prepare to explain that right now no that's okay I mean I get it I yeah. just okay so she goes in she's in she's in Krakoa now are we to assume that this is the Krakoa party at the end of Hawksbox that she's coming into I wouldn't assume that so it's just a nut they're just partying all the time Krakoa is a Island of many parties. You know, it's a new location and, and people are celebrating. I don't know that I would assume that this is the same party. As you go further in the books, they get referenced that they're just partying all the time. All the time. Okay. So she's here. She's at this party. Here's Apocalypse. What do you want to do? You want to just go ahead and tell me how I'm supposed to pronounce Apocalypse's um, little crazy A with symbols around it, which he insists on being called? Yeah, the tyrant formerly known as Apocalypse. You know, that's that's what I'll call him in my mind, because like Prince, when Prince became yeah. that symbol that you couldn't actually say anything. I just I was like, OK, I prefer I'd prefer if you called me A. Yeah, that's what I kept reading it as. Sure. A symbol that works. Square A, which I think is interesting. A with some dots. I think that's interesting <laughs> in parallel to the page before, where Betsy is saying, "I'd rather you just called me Betsy for now," because everybody's responding, "Welcome home, Psylocke." Betsy, Brett, look who it is. You know, right. Both of these characters are going, going through this identity yeah. transformation. Let's say crisis. Okay, so apocalypse and. Trinary mm-hmm. are we saw Trinary in Hawkspox. She's yes. a technopath. Yes, I actually can... remembered her. Oh, cool. They're chatting it up, just about the, the bigger idea of festivities. And I think it was interesting to compare this to what we saw Magneto talking a little bit about in Hawkspox. You know, this idea idea of celebrating, no longer being hunted. We are we are dancing. You know, this was when Mystique came back from that assignment and, and Magneto was basically like, how was your day? How did it go? And and he's talking, you know, he's kind of romanticizing of where we are with Krakoa, where we've become as a people. It seems like Apocalypse is really into this, into the make more mutants vibe. He's talking about how the the, the mutants or the generation born from this endeavor are going to be so much more powerful and amazing than any mutants that have come before. Which I don't know. You know, that's interesting because if if you're not, you know, especially as Apocalypse, his his idea of testing people and, and pushing greatness and, and finding the strong, 
I would think that growing up in paradise wouldn't necessarily mean create that. Yeah. Right. right. It'd make you soft. Right. Exactly. Which we find through other books. <laughs> Later. So basically there's a gate that they can't get into. That's what him and uh, Apocalypse and China are chatting about. Yep. In the, and, in the grove of theoretical gates, which instant intrigue and confusion because what? What's a theoretical gate? <laughs> yeah. And also I like that he's all science can't answer this. Right. And Trinary's like, well, then I can't help you. Right. Well, I mean, Apocalypse has lived longer than science, basically. Mm -hmm. He's talking about a gate to another reality. Kind of condescending to a group of mutants whose powers are hyper brain knowledge, you know, Cypher, Sage, Trinary. Mm -hmm. Y'all couldn't figure this out. And this this one, as I was rereading this to do notes, are you familiar with the other world, the kingdom of Camelot? Sure. Like, I felt like that was an opportunity for us to say, like, Him to no, say, like, a or little bit maybe, about it, yeah. or tell me more. Tell me more. Refresh or, my memory, Apocalypse. Yeah, isn't, isn't that the one where Merlin did the thing? And yeah. That, right? Some kind of context to bring us Let's in a little bit. Let's just get a Nightcrawler television recap, you know? Hey, I was just watching on the TV. Exactly. You need Nightcrawler to do conversational context drops to know, hey, I was just... Traveling with my alternate reality daughter from a different... What? That's a whole nother story. Oh, man. Those are more exiles than Excalibur. All right. Well, Apocalypse needs a champion to breach it. He needs someone to figure it out because he can't be having this gate not open. Because he's he's got a lot of curiosity with it. In in what other realms could we build a home? Well, I could also imagine Apocalypse being a man who or, you know, a person who wants to conquer and he has this idea in his mind that now with Krakoa they can go anywhere and do anything and then there's this one gate that just won't open. He cannot stand for this. Yeah, especially when he's got a long game plan. Ooh. There's a, yeah, so there's this block. They're unable to get through this gate to another realm. And on the next data page from the Krakoan Grimoires. I basically read this data page and then was like, meh, bye. I think. (laughs) (laughs) So I understand that. I understand that as, as a new reader. I understand that even as, as myself, I think that in these data pages, we're not getting things as plainly explained as we would in other data pages. Mm-hmm. Where like in other books, the data pages are like, here's this thing to tell you exactly what this means. Or here's a plot point that we're going to set up to then explore in a couple pages. Whereas this is more, here's a page from a book that you can interpret that might come up and also talk to you about the fact that Apocalypse has a grimoire. Which I don't know if you know what that is. It's, no. a, it's a book of spells typically with instructions oh. on how to create magical objects, perform spells, charms, well, maybe divination. maybe that would make more sense if I knew what a grimoire was. And so, I mean, so that that's kind of uh, my, my main gripe of this book. I, I enjoy this book. I enjoy what this book tries to be. But I feel like there can be more given to a point that is not just a Google search term. Because did I know what grimoire was when I first read it? No, I looked it up. And You're better than me. I just, <laughs> I know I have to answer the questions. And they're talking about the, the call of response of, of force and magic and that there is this other side, this as above, so below. Transitive property of equality. Sure. <laughs> 
New location, new people. Oh, yeah. All right. So what did I write? So this is just a group of kids trying to gain magic by pulling it from the other world. And now Milady is pissed. Yeah. So this is the Coven Solar Blackwood, Mariana Stern, the High Priestess. And these are all brand new characters. And they're summoning ghosts in an old house. And these magic users and their connection to or their their tethering of Avalon and Otherworld. Yeah, it seems like they that's where they pull their magic from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's saying, you can't, you're not going to get my magic anymore until you get up out my business because she doesn't know where this gate is coming from. Right. She just sees it all as a threat from Earth, all as a threat from the 616. So she does kind of explain in an interesting way that also kind of benefits or or might benefit from an understanding of MCU's use of magic where mm-hmm. that it's pulled from another dimension. That when, when you're accessing magic, you're not creating anything out of nothing. You're actually pulling that magic from a different location in another reality, another universe. I did think it was really interesting on a personal note to have started reading this i think the day after we finished wandavision yep and i was like "Ooh!" so i went into it going "Ooh, magic i'm totally gonna understand this is gonna make make so much sense to me because i'm gonna connect magic and everything i've been learning from all these posts about people talking about wanda and all this business like i'm gonna understand it and then i read it and i was like Incorrect again, Alicia. Well, and also Wanda's chaos magic comes from a different place than this magic that we're talking mm-hmm. about here. And even Doctor Strange's magic comes from a different place. Crazy. So she's basically laying out the law to these to these children, yeah. these people. And and so this this'll be this was interesting to me because I felt like, you know, we get a second mention of the war that she's in, but no further detail of what that war of is. What who that is war is? Who's yeah? Who's it with? How it's affecting her? Where it's coming from? So I felt like this could have been a, a, another opportunity to kind of expand a little bit more, to give us a little bit more to chew on that might have led to more understanding. And I definitely feel, you know, because she's in a war and she is dealing with an adversary of some kind. That it is, that's why she assumes that it's bad, mm-hmm. that this thing is coming in. But when these people are saying they don't understand it, she says, I will I will do my best to destroy the gate, but I must focus my energies on keeping the white witch's forces far from Camelot. Pray I do not choose to conscript you to die for me. I will say this once and make it clear. Find the source of it. So she's like, okay, well, if it's not you, figure out what it is. Or you're not getting this or magic. Or you're not getting the magic back. Yeah. I'm cutting you off from magic until you figure this out for me. Which is kind of interesting. It sets up Morgan as this otherworldian force mm-hmm. that now has an in-world following. Yeah. Yeah, like to, they- To carry out her bidding, her they understanding They seemed of, to know who she was. Or at least Mariana does. Yeah. And even Mariana is the one that recognizing- the flowers as of the the mutant species of flower, the new Krakoan mm-hmm. witch breed or human, I care not. You are all the same to me. Yee. And we're back at the Krakoan party time. Krakoan party. And then you see. Nondescript eye contact. Is that Quanon? I believe so. Yeah. No, it is. I know. I'm pretty sure. Jubilee has a kid. Yeah, what? Jubilee has a kid. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since 
I mean, you, you technically have never met Jubilee in, in the comics. Oh, she I haven't? Nope. She doesn't come in until the late Why 80s. Why is it that I feel like I know Jubilee, even though, is it just from the cartoon? It's the cartoon. She yeah. she is the gateway character in the cartoon. She takes Kitty's place, essentially, as the, the new kid on the block. And, and seeing her with a kid, I was like, what is she, like 15? Where's her bubblegum? Yeah, yeah. And I love uh, Fabio trying to rebrand himself as well. That's three people. Right. Fabio but and he's Egg. He's the one whose name is Egg, which is ridiculous. And I love that she... She calls him out. She's yeah. like, well, that's not going to stick. Yeah. So he's taking her to, to the, hatchery. the hatchery. And there's her brother, Jamie, just sitting in his own egg goo. Just chilling just his goo. drinking. Just drinking. A, who gave him a glass of wine? So he made it. Here's a question. Sure. What did Jamie do before he died that was so bad? So, I mean, Jamie's done a lot of things. He is an <laughs> omega level mutant. He's a reality warper. So he oh. has a, a lot of control. We've seen him once in name only in that Krakoan data page about the omega level mutants. Oh, and so in, I don't remember. Sure. I mean, I'm not <laughs> expecting you to have a photographic memory of the Omega level mutants. I may have memorized who's on the list. Okay, good. I'm glad one of us did. But so he started messing around with magic as well as his reality warping power and was trying to take control over. He used brainwashed children and, and followers to run amok and, and trying to take down the Black Widow, and to get the Space Stone. Oh. It's not a story that I read. He, I mean, you just have to say, like, he used brainwashed children, and I understand that that's pretty messed up. Yeah. It was in the Infinity Countdown in Black Widow, which was in 2018. And at the end of that, he was presumed dead, but unknown as to how. Hmm. And now, thanks to the magic of Krakoa. The glory and grace of the five. He's back. And so you're back. He's back and he's sassy and Betsy's not having it. Yeah. Something's new about you. Status quo. We're all back to reset, kind of. And he's, he's also referencing the fact that she was not an English woman for most of her life or most of her comic publication. Hmm. We get a lot of examples of just him as a ridiculous and, and conflict starting character. Yeah, he seems to be a bit of a troublemaker here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's all powerful. You know, he's an omega level reality warper. He can do whatever he wants. So who's going to tell him nothing? And Fabio's like, can you get your brother to clean up his mess? Because we're trying to keep it sanitary it's in here. It's been a few hours and uh, it's gross. And he wants to see his brother. And she's like, no, you don't get to decide. If he wants to see you, he can decide. And I love the way she just straight up yells at him with her brain. And then Fabio's like, oh, could you um, not do that? Because it could mess with the eggs. You're disrupting the goo. And then Apocalypse comes in. Yeah. And Apocalypse knows that this gate is from Otherworld. How does he know? That's what I want to know. And I don't, I'm not asking that in a like, Justin, you need to answer. How does he know? I'm just saying, how does he know? Ruh. From his grimoires, from his, his theoretical gates of studying. Blah, blah, blah. But this is now the second thread of wanting to bring Brian to Krakoa, right? So mm -hmm. 
Jamie wanted him there. Now Apocalypse wants him there because Brian, as Captain Britain, has the ability to travel to Otherworld. He has the, they're saying he has this this emblem or something. Yes. The, that allows him to travel. So really they don't want him. They just want the goods that he has. Well, I mean, he is powered by the amulet of right. Yes, that's it. Amulet. Yes. That's the word I was looking for. And so this amulet has the ability to traverse between Otherworld and, or or Avalon, Otherworld, Camelot, whatever you want to call it. I, let's just group them all together into one right now. Okay. And Earth 616. So she concedes and she goes to get him. He's all dressed up. Yeah, so he he's on his way out. He said there was an emergency. What an emergency? I've been called to Otherworld. That's why I'm here. Something is wrong. I was encouraged to come fetch you by Apocalypse. I think we're heading into a trap. Were you having a drink at your party with Apocalypse? This The next page was, uh, did you pick that up before or after Tapas with Magneto? Yes, I loved that line. Yeah. I loved that line. There's There was some really standout moments of humor. Yeah, and I mean, I can totally see where he's coming from. He's like, oh, so now you're just chilling with bad guys and you came back here to get me and I'm supposed to exactly. do what you say? I, I mean, Brian is the hero of the UK, of, of Great Britain. Of He is Captain Britain. <laughs> My notes. Wait, Brian is Captain Britain? I thought that was a girl. Also, I thought he wasn't a mutant. And that's why he wasn't going to Krakoa. I mean, I just made that assumption, but please explain. And then I just find out by reading the rest of the book, so you don't need to explain. Brian is not a mutant. Brian is not a mutant. He is Captain Britain. For now. For now. There was one very brief time where Betsy was Captain Britain before. Oh, interesting. I love when she changes into her costume and he's like, what? She's like, Krico in costume technology. Yeah. And we get a, a somewhat peel back of the Betsy Quanon relationship. I don't want to spend the evening dodging the woman whose life I stole or facing the things I've done while wearing her skin. I wouldn't say that's an explanation or appeal back because that just made me question every I was like, whose life did she steal? What the heck are you talking about? Okay, so let's let's call it a a another reference point. Yes. We have uh, another kind of chip at the wall that is the relationship between Betsy and Conan. It's a nod to the fact that there is a relationship, but it doesn't really tell you anything about that relationship. That's fair. For Avalon. And then they're there. Morgan! Again, you will call me Queen Morgan Le Fay, subject. Mm-hmm. We're, and, and like I said before, we're, we're thrown in Betsy and Brian are also thrown in and trying to make sense of what little we know. Queen Le Fay wants her champion to defend her. Fix this pollution. Kill your sister. I don't care. So if he is the protector or Captain Britain is the protector of the 616 reality and they're pulled out of the 616, but they're still part of the 616. Like, why does she call him her protector? Is he sworn to serve Camelot? Yes. Okay. So each of, well, sworn to protect Otherworld. Sworn to protect the seven kingdoms, not just a particular family. <laughs> sure. But she wants him to protect her family. Right. Game of Thrones makes me understand. Yes. So so 
his power comes from Otherworld. Got it. Brian, or Captain Britain's power, comes from Avalon, is connected to Avalon. And? Avalon is a kingdom in Otherworld that connects beyond just the 616. Okay, so there doesn't have to be an Avalon in other. There's only one Avalon. There's only one Avalon. Av- let's okay. I'm like all about these little, these little metaphors or like relationships points. that connect. So, Avalon is like the Krakoa of the multiverse in this instance, where like you go to Avalon, it connects all the individual universes. Where Krakoa connects all the places through the gateway. Sure. Kind of deal. Yeah. All right. You so, might have been, yeah, no, that's good. So Morgan is upset, and now she's brought Brian slash Captain Britain here to figure out what's going on. Where are these flowers? Where's these things that are like tainting my waters? And he know she knows that his sister is a mutant, so she's like, "Oh, you're gonna start with your sister? Okay, fine. Like, great. I don't care. I don't care who it is. Just just destroy." Fix it. And then completely different thread. Hey, Rogan Gambit. Oh my God, they're so cute. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I was just like, okay, everybody, leave them alone. Yeah, they're married now. They're married. And they're feeling the pressure of children. But I wonder why. Make more mutants. Make more mutants. There's a joke in here, isn't there? Yeah. What do you think about that third law? Make more mutants. They're just about to get into it. And then freaking Trinary has to come in and ruin the date. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not wearing my power dampening bracelets in paradise. I'm creative. Maybe you won't have to. I was like, what does that mean, Gambit? Remy. What are you saying? How does that work? But they're cute. I liked that little moment. Yeah. I was like, aw, Rogan Gambit. Love. Ruined. So now Apocalypse is ruining the party because he hopes what? What does he exactly think Rogue can do in this situation? So Rogue has the ability to drain power, right? So he thinks that she can potentially oh. absorb and drain some of the power, some of the, the blockage that's in this gate. I see. And he knows a lot about what's quote unquote potentially going on. Apocalypse. Are you up to something, my friend? Oh, Did yeah. you grow this gate and now you're PO'd that it's not working? And and he's given you this kind of rundown or at least revisiting the things that we've talked about so far. Just the Braddocks, Otherworld, this gate. Remy doesn't trust Apocalypse and rightfully so. Don't blame him. Yeah. Gambit was at a time a horseman of Apocalypse. Also, I just don't blame anyone for not trusting Apocalypse. Rogue is the hero, our champion. But what about Jubilee? Isn't she supposed to be in this book? Oh, yeah, she saw Betsy, so let's bring her in. He's pulling the strings, basically. Apocalypse is bringing them all together. Jubilee is coming. Hey, everybody's here. Gang's all here. Let's do something stupid. Yeah, and and Apocalypse knows all the answers, you know? Just, just mutant the gate, Rogue. Just not the first time that Rogue has used her power on an object, but I want you to take this energy and potentially... Use it within you. And Apocalypse is saying that he can feel that Betsy is on the other side of the gate. Mm -hmm. Apocalypse has telepathy. He does? Apocalypse has an obnoxious amount of abilities that he's amassed over time. Oh, 
look at you go, Apocalypse. If you're ever like, does Apocalypse have this power? Yes. yes. Just assume, <laughs> yes, Apocalypse has that power. And if not, he can get that power. Oh, snap. On the next page, we are fighting. Morgan is talking smack at the divide between Brian and Betsy. This idea of, of hail the defender, slay the pretender. But he can't really control what's happening because right. he's basically like tied to her forced to do what she wants yes so there's this whole you know battle between them and he's basically like i'm sorry i want to be on your side sister but i can't because i'm being controlled manipulated by the power of the source of his power right like this is where my power comes from which is interesting in that like he gets this power but he doesn't actually have full control over his power because its source is controlled by someone else right so his, his power is intended to be an extension of other worlds. Which is interesting because those kiddos or that group at the at, earlier in the story, yep. they were trying to pull their power from the same source. So I wonder if that's sort of like a contingency of pulling the power at all. You use my power whenever you want, but if I want something done, mm-hmm. right, and, you and, have to do it for me. But Brian has enough of an ability. I'm laughing at what I wrote about Brian. He's a knight. But also a captain? A captain of Britain and a knight of Avalon. He is of true human Braddock blood, so he takes his place in Avalon. You will take your place among your people too. Kill her, my knight. He would never. I'm so sorry, Betsy. I am her champion. I am hers. Please. And Jubilee is talking about, you know, get out of my head. I even wrote, Apocalypse has all the powers. Just (laughs) assume Apocalypse has all the powers and Gamut doesn't trust him at all. At all. Rightfully so, but sometimes it kind of gets in the way. I really love the artwork and the way that they use the tones and the colors to change. So we're From seeing these locations. two things happen in two different locations on either side of this gate, side by side. But within, slowly. Within these two pages, it's not like one page is one location, the other page is the other location. They have them mixed in together. So you're, you're getting... Kind of that feeling you would get if you're watching a movie and they're like cutting back and forth Mm -hmm. between like action scene and action scene happening in two areas that are then going to collide together. It really helps build that the climactic moment. Yeah. And then the the tones, you know, like the greens and purples, uh, like the cool tones are what's happening in the darkness. In the darkness. And then the warm tones are what's happening on Krakoa. And then. And you even see that. In the scrying pool, the light that Rogue sees on her page, on her panel, yeah. is coming through. And then Rogue just goes for it. Yeah. Apocalypse tells Betsy, a massive amount of psychic energy will do it, but I am stretched to my limit speaking to you. If you want that gate gone, Morgan, I'm happy to help. And she throws her sword. Which is also interesting to me because... What's well, a psychic sword, too? But again, Morgan... Okay, Morgan, your champion came here because you asked him for help and he brought his sister. Why did he bring his sister? Because his sister is also investigating what's going on with this gate. Did you bother to have a conversation with them about why they were there? No, no I'm all powerful. I'm the queen. instantly going to be like, oh, but you're a mutant and mutants are the problem, so die. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then that throwing of the sword. Magic, wow. Oh, when Rogue falls back and Gambit's like, Sherry! Yeah. I'm like, no, Rogue! Sherry. Rogue catches all the magical psychic backlash from the gate's destruction. And this these weeds, this flower, seemingly from Otherworld, coming at Rogue. That's so interesting. 
to me i was like what is happening it's like it needs something to hold on to it needs something to anchor in and it was destroyed where it was anchored before yeah and rogue was the last thing that was touching it so now it has to anchor to her and her ability to absorb power her ability to absorb that kind of resonance they might have that that weed that flower might have a connection to her because of that connection that she had to the gate that's why it's think about calling out to her almost Oh, right, because she totally gets thrown back and then she reaches back out for it and yep. then it wraps her up. So the the mystery, we're not fully given the reasons why or what's happening as we get it further of this gate, these flowers, and now their connection to Rogue, Morgan's power over Brian. Now, again, a captain's allegiance to Camelot and Avalon is intense, especially now so that he's being manipulated by an evil queen witch. But on the next page, the amulet. And he's telling her, take it, take your trinket. My lady is more than enough. Take it. I beg thee, witch, please take it where put it on. And, and Morgan's last bubble on that page is no, like Brian is fighting this ability to, to give her a way out, to give her a a chance to go home by taking the The amulet. But then she becomes Captain Britain. So doesn't she now have to listen to Morgan or she's like, Sneaky underhand Captain Britain and she can do what she wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just not going to explain that part. Rude. Not you. Not you, babe. Ch-ch-ch-cherry. And here's Rogue I've... taking a nap. Ch-ch-ch-cherry. Oh, my God. Because she's like a chia pet. I was going to say she has um, Rue vibes. Yeah, oh, yeah. She's giving me Hunger Games Rue vibes, taking a nap in the flowers. She's full-blown plant lady. Gambit versus Apocalypse, you know, kind of this, this underscore of his distrust, and everybody's everybody's turning heads. What, who, who's that? Who? Because Betsy's back. Hail Captain Britain! Oh, please stop staring at me like that. What happened to Rogue? We don't know, yo. Epilogue. And then all of a sudden, we're back with the with the team with the kids, and this girl's wearing her cape that looks like a Doctor Strange cape. And the kids are dead. Mariana Stern kills her coven. At the interpretation of Morgan's words, joins Coven Akaba. Now, Akaba is the birthplace of Apocalypse. Oh. Again, something that's not, yeah. This is a twisted story that I don't trust. Clan Akaba were his people, but Coven Akaba are the people that drove him out. Oh. So. Hmm. So it's still unclear who's playing which sides. Yes, definitely. But yes. I think it's safe to assume that Mariana is swearing allegiance to Morgan Le Fay. Yes, I would definitely assume that. Correct. And that Morgan Le Fay and Apocalypse are on opposite sides. Yes. Even okay. though Apocalypse is trying to make it seem like he just doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to use the powers around him, the people that he's gathered, to break through and to access something more. Oh, man. Our final data page, the Invocation of the Gods. From the Book of High Shadows, Kavanakaba. Humans who love magic and see mutants doing magic as an affront. Hail the defenders of the magic of Avalon. Slay the pretenders who need not the humility of the Magus. There's that hail the defenders, slay the pretenders thing again. Yep. And so that was in Avalon. That was the people of Morgan. And now that's coming through to the human's world. Summary. Psylocke became Captain Britain. The other world wants nothing to do with Krakoa. 
Rogue is now consumed by the portal flower dead baby. Yep. <laughs> uh, Excalibur's tough. It's it's not that I didn't enjoy it because I think it's an interesting story. I just think I've, there's way too much that's unclear. Wholeheartedly, 100% agree. I enjoy the concepts that it's playing with. I like, and especially like where I'm at, I think it's really starting to get good because there's, I would say, more than enough laid out, right? Mm. Everything's been set out, been built out. Now we can play in this world because we have a, at least a, a, a general understanding of what the pieces are. Yeah. And I mean, I think there is some fairness in the idea that, you know, it's what you say to me all the time. There's only so much I can explain to you. And at a certain point, wasn't it, weren't you saying something like Kevin Feige said something about this with like the MCU, like you after a while, you're not making movies for people who don't already know everything like you can't re-explain everything or who don't want to just go along for the ride and figure it out as they go so i think like for me i enjoyed it i enjoyed talking about it i think it was just did it help it did this did help um i think what i would have liked as a new reader what i would have liked a little bit better was either a little bit more explanation thrown in there or just like don't reference some of the things like right away. You know, like was it really necessary, especially if you're going to talk about the body swap thing in the Fallen Angel story, like did we need to have so many references to it in this for this story to move forward among all the other things that were confusing i mean i i would agree with you but also it is a big part of betsy's story and you know if you're if you're a person like me who's reading all of these stories all of these titles and and seeing how this narrative how something happening in one book affects something in another book Mm -hmm. that as a connection point is interesting especially knowing more of their character backstory yeah i think um what I'm not articulating properly is just that I think there could have been less loose threads yes. and more just telling of this story. And then as the story progresses, you have more and more of those loose threads. Because when I read it the first time through, I didn't, I felt more just confused by all the things that I didn't know than able to connect to the things that I did know, the things that were laid out to me, like the storyline itself of this actual comic. Yeah, no, I have a note that I'd written earlier. I like a good mystery, but with so many threads, all with mystery and or backstory connected to them, it's hard to juggle it all. I feel impelled to juggle or drop some until there's more info provided, but yeah. You know, we're not getting a lot of that info here. We could go elsewhere and find some of that info, but that's not necessarily what I want from a story. Like, I want to be able to engage in some way. Yeah, I think for me, like, as a person who read Hoxpox, like, let's say they're advertising or they're saying House of X, Powers of Ten is a play- is a great place to jump in if you're new to the X-Men. Right. So you get that you get this whole setup, but then you start reading all these other comics in Dawn of X that very loosely tie to House of X and Powers of Ten. Like the biggest through line is Krakoa. Yep. And but then they're at, then they're like, oh, but then there's this that you don't know. And there's this that you don't know. And it feels a little like debilitating. Because you spent all this time, you committed to reading House of X and Powers of Ten. You understand that world and that backstory. 
And now we're just jumping into, but if you don't know the rest of X-Men continuity, you're kind of, you know, on the, you're struggling a little bit. Yeah. And it's interesting because I didn't see this connection previously, but this was, I read this issue and then I read and did notes for New Mutants, mm-hmm. which will be our next episode. Yes. And I feel like New Mutants references a lot of other things. Yes. But it does it in a way that slow rolls you into it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Whereas this starts right in everything and expects that you either know it or are going to figure it out on the way. New Mutants does, you know, here's a duo of characters that you might know or not know and they're referencing this big idea. Mm-hmm. And here's this other duo of characters and they're referencing this big idea. Whereas Excalibur is, we're in this location that you don't know with these people that you don't know talking about this other thing that they don't tell you all the information about. And then there's this Mm -hmm. other location Mm -hmm. with people that you might know from other stories, but might not have the full context of. And they're talking about their relationships. And yeah, it's just a lot. It's a lot to process or to be able it's because it's one thing to say okay I don't fully understand that but I can move on but this was a lot to be able to do that with because I just felt like on almost every page there was something that I didn't understand so it was too much that I didn't understand that was kind of distracting that's why you love that Rogue and Gambit page so much yes because I was like I understand I understand their love love. they can't touch each other because she'll kill him I get it let's make babies some other way yeah what's that mean Remy, what's that mean, Remy? But I mean, I enjoyed it. I, it's I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah. I want to know what sneaky, sneaky apocalypse is up to. Yeah, he's just. I don't want to tell you too much. No, but... don't tell me anything. Shh, 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 shh. Until next time, old friend. Charles, my head hurts. Is that you? Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 